Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Pastor Derek Dunn, Senior Pastor of City Harvest Church in Orange County. To find out more about City Harvest or Pastor Derek, please visit chcus.org or derekdunn.org. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at chcus and at cyberderek. Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to get into the Word of God. And uh, how many of you were not here last week as we started our series on making changes? Anyone not here? Well, we're always as Christians wanting to progress. We want to grow. God wants to bring us from faith to faith. He wants to bring us from glory to glory. He wants us to, to increase. How many of you want to see increase in your life? Well, sometimes as Christians, we can get a bit disillusioned. We can get a little bit frustrated when sometimes we, we say, hey, it's not working for me. The word's not working. It doesn't seem to be working. And, and, and we get a little frustrated. We get a little disillusioned sometimes. We think that sometimes coming to, into Christianity, it's, it's kind of like magic. You know, just come, Pastor, pray for me. Lay hands on me. If I can just get, you know, Pastor Derek to pray for me. Or, oh, if I can just get Benny Hinn to blow on me. You know, if I, I can just get Reinhard Bunky to impart faith to me. And we, we kind of look at these things. And, and I'm not uh, putting down the fact that God does move and God does impart to us. But it doesn't happen that way. Most of the things in Christendom, we have to work out through our faith. The Bible says through our faith and our patience. I wish the patience part was not there. You know, just have the faith part. Uh, that's easier sometimes. The patience part can be a little bit frustrating. But it's through our faith and our patience. Someone say our faith and our patience. We inherit the promises of God. And so God is working in us. Things are not always automatic. It doesn't just happen. You come to, to Christ, you pray a prayer, and then everything is perfect, and you just become a Jesus clone. No, there's a process of God working in our life, and uh, we need to understand how that process works. And all of us want to see changes in our life. I want to see changes. I want to be better as a man, as a father. I, I, I want to be more like Jesus. Come on, I'm a work in progress just like you are. I want to see the, the, the Word of God coming forth in, in my business. I want to see the Word of God coming forth in every area of my life. And so there's a process that God does. Everything that God does is based on a process, a principle, or a pattern that's found in the Word of God. And if we can find that process, we can find that pattern and begin to apply it, it will work for us. God is not a respecter of persons. And I love hearing testimonies. You hear the testimony about the guy who I grew up in a single family. We were poor and we didn't have money and now he's a billionaire. I like that kind of success story. Anyone else? You, know, you like the small beginnings and, and they started out with not much and God's done great things in their life. And we look and we're like, wow, there are heroes. Or you know, the guy who came from the Bronx and wasn't, didn't do well but, but began to practice basketball every day and now he's in the NBA. Come on, bought his mom a house, you know, and taking care. We love that kind of stuff, but how does it happen? How does the process happen? And I'm not saying everyone's going to be a billionaire. That comes with a whole other set of problems, amen? <laughs> Taxes, you know, but uh, it, it, there's other things that we're involved in. But what I'm saying, success that God wants to bring. And what is success? It's being in the will of God, being in the purpose of God, seeing Christ being formed in us and fulfilling his purpose for our life. Amen? And, and that's what happens when we stand before God. It's not going to be what we did or how much money we made or, or you know, uh, all the things that we had. It's going to be well done, good and faithful, what? Servant. Why? Because we fulfilled the purpose of God, and we serve God in our generation. Is that what you want to see? Amen? I believe that's why we're here. Amen? And so we, we looked, started like next week, and uh, we talked about how we have habits in our life. We have things in our life that we want to change. And uh, Paul goes uh, uh, on, and he talks about this in the book of Romans. In Romans 7, verse 15, he says, I don't really understand myself. Turn your neighbor and say, there's hope for you. Come on. 
He says, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Now, I don't want you to show up your hands, but we can relate. Come on. Sometimes we get frustrated and thank God, uh, you know, he loves us regardless. Nothing we can do can cause God to love us more or less. Are you here? Why? Because he loved us before we ever did anything. He loved us when we were all sinners, but he still sent his son. So God's love is unconditional. But yet, if we love God, we want to please God. We want to be more like him. We want to fulfill his purpose. But sometimes the things we want to do, we don't do. The things we don't want to do, we end up doing. And he goes on and he says that. He says, I want to do what's good in Romans 8, verse, uh, 7, verse 9, 8 and 19. He says, I want to do what's good, but I don't do it. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. So what does he say? Here's Paul, the apostle Paul. You know, some preachers preach nowadays, and once you're saved, oh, you don't struggle with sin anymore. Hello, this is the Apostle Paul. And who is he writing to? He's not writing to the first book of sinners. He's writing to the church of Rome. He's talking to Christians. Right? And so that, that war still goes in. Is Are we under the power of sin? No. Are we under the bondage of sin? No. But are we still tempted? Is sin still working out of our lives? Of course it is. It's called our temper. Amen? Now, it's nothing wrong with getting angry. God gets angry. We should be angry against injustice, but our sin shouldn't cause us, our, 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 uh, our anger shouldn't cause us to sin. We don't react out of rage. We don't blow up stuff. Come on. Even though we can hate injustice. Are you here? And so we need to have that understanding. So to make changes, he goes on and he tells us the key to transformation. It's found in Romans 12, verse 1 through verse 2. He says, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated or holy, acceptable, which is his service, and pleasing to him. And what does it say? Let's say it together. Let's read together and say, and let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. Who transforms you? How does he do it? By a complete change of your mind. One, verse, one version says, by, by the transforming of your mind. The word there is the word metamorphosis. And I shared last week, it's like the, butterf- uh, the caterpillar changing the butterfly. And we've had a lot about that. I don't know if that was prophetic or not, but come on. We, uh, there's butterflies everywhere this week, you know, smashing up. Uh, I was telling the men, I you know, got my wife's car. I'm like, babe, you need to wash your car. She's like, baby, haven't you seen the butterflies? You know, doesn't help. They're smashing in everywhere. We got butterfly, you know, funerals all over our car. But we want to see change. It starts with the mind. The Bible says as a man or a woman thinks, so he is. You can be successful in the world's eyes, but if in your mind you're not successful, you'll never feel successful. God can bless your socks off, but yet if you have insecurity, you're still going to be insecure. It's about our mind. So our mind needs to be changed. And we looked at what the transformation of the mind was. We looked at why we have defects in our life, and we saw that there were a few reasons. One was because we, it's hard to change because we've had them so long. And I realize this, the older we get, the harder it is to change. Come on. When you're in your teens, it's easy to change. You might be a little bit stubborn, but you, you really act like you know everything, but you know you don't. Come on. But when you get up into 40s and 50s, and you know, that's why once you start hitting 50s, if you're single, you usually get happy being single. Yeah. We got real quiet here this morning. But why we get so set in our ways... Sometimes it's hard to get married. I'm not saying possible. If your face out there, come on, I'm believing God with you. But yet, you, are you open to change? 
because you've had your house so nice for 20 years. Come on. You know, you got everything the way you like it, and now someone's going to come in and mess it up, and it's called a man. <laughs> come on. We got our certain way of doing things, our certain way of living. We, we cook certain food every day of the week, you know, and you get, get attached to somebody, they're like, they're a vegetarian. They don't even eat what you eat. How's that going to work? It messes our lives up. Are you here this morning? And so if we're set in our ways, sometimes it's hard to change. If we're set in our mind, it's hard to change. But if we want to grow, we got to change our mind. The only constant in life is change. I, I'm always changing. Stuff I preached 20 years ago, I don't preach it anymore. Why? Because I realized I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> Come on. I heard somebody else say it and thought it was true and didn't study and realize it wasn't true. Are you here? And so we're growing in our faith. We're growing in our revelation. Our mind's being transformed. And that's why it's so important to get into the Word of God. Right? So we've had our issues for a long time sometimes. Secondly, because we've identified with the wrong identity. You know, we have many things that affect us in this world and mindsets. We struggle with discrimination. And I've seen that. You know? And I, you know, being, usually as a white person, you're not a minority, but when I was in Asia, I was, there was one point in time, I was the only white person in a church of 1,500 people. Come on, I know what it's like to be the minority, come on. And what was I known as? You know, the loud mouth, faith-filled American. Because culture was different, and I had to learn. And when I'd go out to eat, everybody spoke in Chinese. And I got to be exposed to some of that. Are you here? You know, I, I, had to, I was the outcast, and I had to learn how to integrate. I had to learn how to speak. Now I can understand a lot, you know. And so people say something, and I laugh, and then tell them what they said, and they get real nervous, you know, like, <laughs> are you here? You know, so we, we, so we, have, we have different issues. As a woman, sometimes there's things that you face. As a man, there's things you face. You know, in, in different races, we face racial profiling, all these things that happen, and they shouldn't be in the kingdom of God, but in the world we live in, it happens. Are you here? Amen? Yeah. And I remember walking down in a village, and I was in Malaysia, and people all came and looked at me because I was the white guy. They'd never seen a white guy. And they came to me, and all the kids are looking and laughing and looking, wanting to touch me. And I'm like, I felt weird, man. I felt, I, for a moment, I felt like a movie star. And then I felt a little bit weird because everybody's wanting to touch me with their, with their dirty hands, you know, come on. And, and so, you know, the uncomfortableness is there. But God was renewing my mind. So, look, I'm not coming as an American. I'm not coming as a Singaporean. I'm not coming as a Malaysian. I'm coming as a kingdom of God. I'm coming as a servant of God. Come on. And I can be all things to all men. Come on. When in Malaysia, eat chili. Come on. When in Rome, do as the Romans, you know, unless they bow down and worship idols. We don't do that. All right. But, but we identify and we can do it. And so I'm able to identify with so many different cultures. And that's probably why we have a multiracial church and a multicultural church because I love cultures. Come on. You know, I love people say, what kind of food do you like? And I said, cooked food. Amen. You know, so, so you know, as long and I, and I eat some uncooked food. It's called sushi. All right. But, you know. In appreciating the different cultures and music and styles and all those things. Why? Because we have to change our mindset. It's not the way we do church in certain places is different. But the presence of God is still there. And so if we're, if we're limited in our mind, we have a certain mindset, we're going to be difficult. we have a difficulty in the way we go, in the, in the place that we're at. Are you here? So sometimes we have a wrong identity. Number three, sometimes the consequences of changing are uncomfortable. And I found that to be true sometimes and we're dealing with people and maybe they're, they're, they're victims or people they've been living off welfare. And thank God we have a country when you get in trouble, you can get some help. That's a good thing. But what happens, we can have a mindset to where we just want to 
keep having a handout because it's easier than working. You know, I mentioned sometimes there's homeless people out in the street, and you, you, I, we've gone and tried to help them, but they don't want help. They'll take some food for some money or to buy some alcohol. Are you here? But, but if you want to get them cleaned up and get them some new clothes and help them get a resume and get a job together, we don't want that because they don't want the stress of that. Are you here? They've learned how to survive at the level that they're at. And I'm not knocking that, and we need to do more things, you know, and we have a heart for all people. Are you here? But, but sometimes it's the mindset. The issue is not they lost their job or something happened. They got a mindset that they can never be successful, that life is just about surviving. Are you here? And so we've got to train the mind, not just give someone a fish, but teach them how to fish. Are you here? Amen? And give them a fish first because if they're hungry, they ain't going to be thinking about how to fish. All right? So help their basic needs. But then how can we renew their mind to give them a future and a hope and believe that they can do it? And then number four, we learned that Satan is also there trying to discourage us. The devil comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. The devil sees your potential. He sees your purpose. So he will set up roadblocks along your life to keep you from fulfilling the purpose of God. To make you, to keep you making the wrong decisions. Why? Because the wages of sin is, it ends in death. It might be fun for a season. Come on. If it wasn't, people wouldn't do it. But what does he do? He gets you bound in addiction. He gets you bound up in in wrong desires. He perverts them. And then what? You You get into bondages and you're not able to fulfill and function in the high calling of God in your life. Are you here? Amen. So how do we change? It's not about talking about the problem. How do we change? Thank God his word is a light and a lamp into our path. Amen? Amen. Thank God we can apply his word. David said, how can a young man cleanse his ways? By the washing of the word of God. He said, your word I've laid up in my heart that I would not sin against you. So there's power in the word of God. Any issue you want to change, it's possible. Well, pastor, I've been like that for 20 years and that's just who I am. Don't identify with who, who you are right now with your problem, identify with who you want to be. Yeah. Come on, success starts with a mindset. Yeah. I've had no money in the bank, but people still think I'm prosperous. Why? Because of my mindset. Yeah. Because it, a, a favor that's there. Because my, my, my value is not based on what I got in, in, the, in the account. And sometimes God will test you in that because in your offering, he tells you to add another zero. And I didn't plan to do that. Are you here? Tithing's the basic. What a great message this morning. You know, people struggle with giving 10%. If we can't give 10%, how can we be a steward? Come on. How can we really prosper? Are you here? Because God's testing us to see whether we'll be a steward of what he's given us. If you're faithful in the little, you'll be faithful over. But if you're not faithful in the little, guess what? You're not going to be faithful over much. And God knows that. He's been around for a long time before there was even time. Come on. He's seen it. Are you here? But we got to train our mindset and faith. Everything I had is God's. And the earth is the Lord. Everything belongs to the Lord. So when God says something, I just obey. I don't need to think about it. Sometimes I think later. <laughs> Come on. I hit push on push pay, you know. And I gave this morning. My wife preached, I always give a good offering. And then I'm getting a text from my son. He says, Dad, can you give some money too? I'll pay you back later. I love that. Amen. So I'm like, all right, I'm glad I got some more cash in there and took an envelope and gave again. Amen. Don't forget Ethan. All right. So we got this on video. So, you know, but, but I love it. Why? Because God's speaking. God's being a steward, providing, not just me giving, but giving to my kids so they can give it and change that mindset. And sometimes later we're like, oh, wow, I gave big this morning. But in my mind, I know God, I'm a steward. doesn't matter what I have or don't have. 
the earth is the Lord. Everything belongs to God. Come on. There's not a little pie and you give away the pieces. You're out of pies and all you got is crumbs. Come on. We got pie factories out there. Amen. You know, God is in abundance. You give him a little bit of meal. You give him a little bit of oil. You think it's gone. He says, okay, watch this. Give me some more vessel. And it keeps multiplying, multiplying, multiplying. How does that work? We don't know. But it works. Come on. People are prospering all the time out there. I heard a statement that, you know, that, that 1% of the world population have the majority of the world's wealth. Come on. What did they do? Some of them, they just born into it. Are you here? I met some wealthy people. They're not the smartest people. Come on. <laughs> are you here? You know, they just bought at the right time. I met people in nations, and they're wealthy people, and they're not very educated. But what did they do? They bought that shop house when it was worth 50000 and now it's worth $5 million. Come on, we got to be in the right place at the right time. That's a whole other message. But, but allowing God to come in and not staying in, in, in that place of discouragement, not allowing the devil to, to limit us. Are, are you here? Amen? So how do we change? How many got things you want to change in your life? Don't get overwhelmed. It can be discouraging. Don't make a list of the 20 things I need to change. Come on, you'll be depressed. Pick one. Start with one thing. What is the one thing you feel God is wanting you to work on in your life? Is it your tongue? Come on. Because you like to chatter. You're a chatterbox. You like to gossip. You get around people and they're critical and, you know, you, you, you join in the party. Are you here? Oh, got real quiet here this morning. Let's be quick to, to listen and slow to speak. So I'm going to work on that. That's my thing this week. Maybe it's your faith in the area of giving. Maybe it's being a tither. Maybe it's being kind to people. You know, maybe it's, it's exercise or whatever area, whether it's your spirit, your soul, your body, whatever area. Maybe it's your studies. Maybe you're spending too much time on the Xbox. I got real quiet here this morning. <laughs> what is the issue you're feeling God wants you to change? Focus on one thing at a time. Don't try to do 10 things at a time. The most effective way to go to the gym is you work on one or two body parts. Take it every day. Do your biceps and, you know, your, and your shoulders or your, your triceps and your back or your, your, your legs. I hate leg day. Leg day, you just do leg day. Don't focus on anything else. Leg day is the worst, you know. But you're focusing on one thing. Are you here? And, and do that thing well. Amen? Amen. So we got to focus on taking one thing at a time. And we talked about that last week. Number two, focus on victory one day at a time. Don't think about three months from now. Don't think about December. Focus on tomorrow, Monday. Focus on today and plan. If you do the right things today, the right things tomorrow, the right things the next day, come on. After seven days, you had a successful week. If you do it for another week, you're going to have another successful week. You do it for 30 days, you had a great month. Are you here? Sowing seeds for success will produce a harvest of success in your life. Focusing on one day at a time. And number three, focus on God's power, not my power. Who is the one who brings the transformation? It said God will transform us through the renewing of our mind. So that takes the pressure off of us having to do it all in our own strength. I'm all for willpower. You know, you got a lot of people out there, and I've been to different motivational seminars in the world and, you know, in the business to do that. And like, you can do it. You, it's all about mindset. But come on, how many of you have, you know, New Year's resolution? How's that going? Come on. I'm not here to discourage you, but come on. Our willpower fizzles out after about a month. Come on. 
Our willpower fizzles out when we go to the grocery store. <laughs> and we're hungry. Are you here? All the stuff we didn't want to buy, we end up buying. Come on. Our willpower goes out when we just start going on, you know, Nordstrom Rack online. And we see the sales. And Macy's having a 30% off right now. Come on, I got stuff in my cart, but I said no. Amen. You know? <laughs> Our willpower can get worn down. Our willpower can get worn down when we're around people and there's attraction and things like that. Come on, it's not about our willpower. Will is is a good thing, but we need God because our willpower wears out sometimes. And we're going to continue this morning. Are you still here? What must we do? There's four more things. Number four, I focus on what I want, not what I don't want. Don't focus on the behavior. Don't focus on the problem. Don't focus on what you don't want because whatever you focus on gets bigger. Do you realize that? You focus on your problem, what happens? God starts shrinking. And your problem is so big, you know. Sometimes I counsel people and they bring their problems and I'm sure we can relate. Or you have a friend, they tell you, oh my, my whole world, they're so, and you're like, what's going on? And they tell you and you're like, is that it? (laughs) Seriously. I mean, when you've been around, I've been with people that are losing their house. I've been with people that, you know, they got diagnosed stage five, you know, and like, what? You had someone who wasn't nice to you or a friend that didn't treat you well and your whole world falls apart. And I'm not negating, stuff happens, we get affected, are you here? But come on, in comparison, what's happening in the world? Come on, people just got bombed in New Zealand. You know, people, people lost their life, family, all this stuff's going on in the world. And we can look, why? Because we're looking at our issue. It becomes so big. And then when you talk about God, it's like God is so small. Because we're focusing on what we don't want, not on what we want. Philippians 4, 8 says this. It says, fix your thoughts on what is true and good, what is right. Think about things that are pure. Think about all you can praise God for and be glad about it. What does it say? Focus on what is true. Focus on what is good. Focus on what is right. Be a, a positive person. A faithful person is a positive person. That doesn't mean you deny the facts. Look at what you got going in your life. Look at what God is doing in your life. Look at the positive in your life. Don't just look at the negative. Then you feel like giving up. Are you here? I can keep going, but I'm not. All right. <laughs> Robert Schuller said this, you are what you think about all day long. What are you worrying about? What are you anxious about? Well, that's where your identity and your focus is going to be. So what do we need to do? Not think that what we're looking at or what the problem is is going to go away. We need to focus on the positive. Focus on what you want. If you want to be fit, come on, get a picture of what you want to look like. Are you here? Now be realistic. Come on. We got to work with what we got. Amen. Come on. <laughs> where, where do you want to be in your business? Where do you want to be in your spiritual life? Where do you want to be in your ministry? Put the vision there. And we, we've talked about goal setting before. It's got to be realistic, but there's faith involved. Don't lower the standard and it's lower than where you're at. Come on. But if you want something, it's reachable. You have faith. And so when we have vision, we have things. Sometimes I have what I call the high faith target. And what's my medium faith target? Are you here? To what I'm believing God for. 
through our faith, our patience, we inherit it. We got to put our faith out there. But we got to focus on the good things, not the bad things, right? Don't focus on what's dominating your life. Focus on what you want to dominate your life. Because what you look at is where you're going to head. Because what happens, what you focus on is where your attention is going to go. Amen? If you think, I'm not going to think about food, what, starts, what do you start thinking about? I'm not going to think about sex. Don't even think we're in church. Come on. So it's not about resisting temptation. And sometimes we teach behavioral preaching, you know, you need to resist temptation, resist this, resist this. And what happens? All you do is think about the things you're going to resist with. All the things you need to resist and you're giving power to the temptation. Not once in the Bible does it command us to resist temptation. Oh, I just lost half of you right now. What does it say? It says resist the devil. Submit to God, resist the devil, and what? He'll flee from you. What's the first thing we need to do? Submit to God. Focus on the good. Focus on the positive. Resist what's pulling on you. But if you're focusing on the devil, and some Christians, that's the problem. They're so devil conscious. The devil, the devil, the devil. It's like the devil lives next door to them. They wake up, and he's outside their door, and they come home, and he's waiting in the, in the, in the, in the kitchen, you know, and he's like, why are you focused on the devil? Focus on God. If you focus on God, you fill your life with God, the devil doesn't want to be around you because he doesn't like the presence of God. Come on. Focus on the positive. Focus on God. Focus on his word. Focus. Submit to him. And then when things are pulling on you, it's a mere distraction because you've got your eye on the prize. You got your eye on the six-pack. Come on. You got the, your, your eye on the fact that you're going to get a, a good check and have a great vacation. Yeah. Are you here? Yeah. You, you got the fact that my kids are going to be a certain way. My, my marriage is going to be a certain way. You can fill in the blanks. But you got to focus on the positive. Not what you don't want. Are you here? Amen? Amen. Whatever you resist persists. The harder you push it, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that, the harder it pushes back for you. Come on, we can, all, we can all see that. We need to focus on the right thing. The Bible talks about refocusing our mind. Refocusing our mind. What does it mean? A mental change of mind. You have a change of heart. The issue is not usually the heart. If we love Jesus, the issue is the mind. You've got to have a change of mind or you're not going to have a change of action. So if you're watching TV... And there's stuff on the TV you don't want to see. What are you going to try to do? Look at somewhere else on the TV? You're not going to, you're going to be drawn back to what you don't want to look at. That's called commercials. Come on, have you noticed the same commercial? You look at it, you're like, ooh. And before long, it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Why? Because it's flashing for you. If you want to stop looking at it, say, what do you do? Change the TV channel. Switch the channel. Switch what we're looking at and look at something else. You know, my wife, we first came to America, and some of you have heard this before, but, you know, you have all those funny afternoon TV channels, and we'd be here, and you've got these people, and it's like the, the worst, like, trailer park story you could ever think of, you know, and they're on there, and you get some couple on there, she's there, and, like, you know, and just telling crazy stuff and with this guy and this guy's boyfriend's friend's sister, you know, and then they end up doing something and like, and they come on TV and they're unveiling this thing and it's just trash. Yeah. Oh, oh, you guys are acting like you don't know what I'm talking about. Come on. You've watched it too. Why? Because it's so crazy. You can't believe it. It draws you in. 
And my wife, the first time, she's like, this is crazy. What is this? And she'd flip the channel, but then all of a sudden she'd end back <laughs> because of curiosity, like, oh, my God, this is nuts. Oh, my God. Then flip. But then your mind, because you keep thinking about what you don't want to think about. And the channel keeps going back there out of curiosity. Are you, are you here? Out of, out of wanting to know or wanting to, to see. Are you here? And that's how the devil wears us down. We got to change the channel in our life. The God has in, in his word 7,000 promises in the Bible. 7,000 promises. D.L. Moody said this. The scriptures were not given for information, but they were given for transformation. The scriptures were not given for information. They're given for transformation. So it's not, don't come to church and just take notes. Notes are great, but let it transform you. Be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. What can you focus on? What channel do you need to change in your life this week? Amen? Be applying that in our life so that we focus on the right thing. The most helpful discipline we can learn is to memorize the scriptures. I want to encourage you, I challenge you, memorize a scripture every week. You have 52 weeks in the year. You will memorize 52 scriptures. And don't say you can't do it because my kids went to preschool and elementary school. And for the first, first grade through fifth grade, they had to memorize a scripture every week. And had a memory test on Friday and they learned the word of God. And that's a great principle to get it in, to keep doing it, keep learning, keep focusing on the right thing so that your, your focus is on filling our mind with the Word of God and there's power in the Word of God. Thinking on the positive, amen? And I remember, you know, I, I used to, you know, coming from a, a home where we're in a divorced family, we didn't always have a lot of money, I had a fear of the future. And I always was concerned about not having enough. And as I began to serve God, you know, people would say, oh, you're going to serve God. You're, haven't you ever heard the saying, as poor as a church mouse? And I, and, and I knew I was obeying God, but that was wearing on me. There'd be, am I going to always struggle financially? Am I living by faith? There's no security. C- come on. And I realized if I want to be successful in what I'm doing, I can't be struggling with that all the time. So what did I do? I, I, I heard a message like this, and I said, I need to reprogram the way I'm thinking because I have a lack mentality. I have a poverty mentality, and, and I'm not, this is not honoring to God. I need to change my mind because if I have this way of thinking, I'm going to attract that to my life. And so I had to deal with fear. So what I got is I would get, last time we had those index cards. I think they're still around. And I would take the scripture and I would write the index card and I would take that card and in the morning, the first thing I looked at was, God is your Jehovah Jireh. He's the provider. He's the God of more than enough. And I would write that down and I would put it in there. And then I'd write down another scripture and he himself bore my sickness on his body on the cross, you know. And I, what did was that mean? He took the curse of sin and death. And broke the power of sin and death. He became poor so that I could be rich. And I write those things down. And I write another verse. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I write another verse down and said, and I'm at the, he called me to be the head and not the tail. And I write another verse down and say, and my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And another scripture that says, and as I honor God, that he will honor me. And, I, and another script, Deuteronomy, that God gives me the power to get wealth, to establish his covenant with me, that all the nations will he know he was God. And what happened? I started programming that in me. It started changing the way I'm thinking. It starts changing the attitude that I have. And I realized, come on, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. I'm reprogramming my mind. 
It's got to get in here. It can't just be on this thing or in our phone or somewhere. We got to Google it. There was some scripture about wealth or something in there. Let me Google it and see what comes up. That ain't going to help you. Are you here? Get it in our mind. Start programming. Start focusing. If you have an issue with relationship and trust, start focusing on that. You, you, got, a, you got an issue with, with prosperity. Start focusing on that. You're struggling with sickness. Start focusing on that. And, and reprogram. And I'd have those cards. And I'd look them in the morning. I'd look them at them at night. I'd come in and, you know, I want to confess. While I was driving, it was there on my dashboard. And when I would stop at a red light, I would look at it. And until I memorized it, until I got it on the inside of me, and it became a part of me. And what happens? Now my focus is there. And when the devil comes and says, oh, you're going you're gonna to miss out, I say, oh, my God, how dare you? Assault the image of God. Come on. I'm seeking first. If I seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, then all the things that are needed are added to me. Come on. His eye is on the sparrow, and if God feeds the birds, he's going to take care of me. Are you here? And there was a story about a widow woman. Come on. She gave all she had to God, and look how she came out. She opened up an oil business and was prosperous. And what, that's the response immediately. Because we're focusing on the right things. Are you here? Amen? So we've got to renew our mind. In our mind, there's two scales. We have the negative scale and we have the word of God. What happens if you begin to put weight on that scale? What happens? It begins to dominate your life. What is feeding your thought process right now? Where are the scales? The Bible says you've been weighed in the scales and found wanting. The Bible talks about that. Where are we at and what's influencing our life? If we want it to change, got to focus on tipping the scales by putting the right thing in. Can you say amen? If you do that, you'll be free. People come against you and you, you, something rises up on the inside of you. There's something around when I get around people that, that are full of doubt or negative people. Something stirs up on the inside of me. And I'm not saying I don't love people and people are all on a journey. And come on, I deal with people in the world all the time. But, you know, even business, they go, oh, you know, we've had a great run in business and, you know, stuff is selling itself. And, oh, my gosh, now. And and they get negative. You know, you got to save your money now. We're heading into a recession and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, get away from me. I might as well pack up and give my license away and go work at McDonald's. Come on, are you here? It's that kind of thing. I have one guy, he's so full of doubt and belief, he basically sold his car, downsized everything, sold his house, and moved to the desert. Why? So full of fear because I remember in 2011 and 2007, and it was like this, and no, 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 no. And I'm like, I'm not going to lunch with you. Come on. Like, you know, I'm sure I'm going to end up paying, number one. And number two, you're so filled. I don't want that around me when I'm trying to be successful. You hear, but you get around other people, and they're like, Psh, "People are always buying and selling. Come on, don't people got to move? They get transferred. They got they got to sell their house. They gotta, people got to live somewhere, right? It's like the guy you heard the story that he went to the shoe salesman went to Africa, went to Africa, and he looks around and says, "Oh my gosh!" Called back and said, "Get me out of here. Nobody wears shoes." Then another salesman goes there, he looks around and says, send me every shoe, flip-flop, whatever you got. Nobody wears shoes here. <laughs> Where's the mentality we have? Where's our faith? It's what we are focusing on, amen? So we need to focus on what we want to see in our life, not what we want to see. Number, number five, focus on doing good, not feeling good. Come on, Christianity is not about your feelings, 
Bible says in the end times, there'll be those that heap up teachers who just itch their ears and tickle them. <laughs> yeah, make you feel good. Come on, don't, don't be one of those people who just want to feel good. If it feels good, do it. To, you ain't, you're never going to be committed to anything. Because come on, how many, you know, sometimes you don't feel like going to work. Sometimes like you don't feel like going to church. Sometimes I don't feel like preaching. Come on, spring breaks up. I want to be on a beach somewhere. Are you here? Come on. That, that's your flesh. It's not what you feel like. Sometimes I don't feel like going to the gym. Sometimes I don't feel like being nice to my wife. Come on. Come on. I want to be served. I don't want to serve. Come on. Oh, come on. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> it's not what you feel like. Sometimes you feel in love. You're woo-hoo. You see you. You know. Otherwise, you look and you think of the honeydew list you haven't done. Come on. It's not about what you feel. I fell out of love. You, didn't, you just fell out of a feeling. You were never in love. You were infatuated. Come on, you here? You fall out of love. How do you fall out of love immediately? A baby, JP and Rachel, a baby's born. You got diapers and sleepless nights. Come on. Your body's swollen from giving birth to a six-pound kid. Are you here? You don't, feel, you don't feel so in love? Are you here? Can we be real? If you live by your feelings, you'll be all over the place. Sometimes I feel like pizza. Sometimes I feel like chocolate. I always feel like chocolate, you know. <laughs> but but you, you can't just focus on feeling good. God is not here to make you feel good. Don't get married to just feel good. Marriage is not about feeling good. Marriage is about having Christ formed in you. Loving your wife like Christ loves the church and having your wife love you and learn to submit and be your cheerleader even when you're crazy. Thank God for those that have been married 45 years. And VJ just last week, you know, 41st anniversary with Faith and VJ. Give them a big hand. They weren't around last week. Loved it. He said, Pastor, I'm not being here. I'm going to take my wife on a, another honeymoon. Come on. They went down, had a honey. Keep the honey in the honeymoon. You got to focus on it. Are you here? Amen? Keep it going. Galatians 5, verse 16, the New Living Translation says, If you're guided by the Spirit, you will be in no danger of yielding to self-indulgence. Sometimes we, talk, we just put the word flesh in there. What does it mean? Self-indulgence. If you're walking after the Spirit, it's not just about you feeling good. If I feel like it, I do it. If I don't, I won't. That's a very unstable person. Because feelings come and go. Amen? If you do the right thing, your feelings will eventually catch up with you. And I've used that example before. Come on. When I go to the gym, usually I don't feel like going to the gym. But once you get in there and your adrenaline gets going, come on, and you know the jacuzzi is coming at the end and the steam bath. I have my eye set on the prize. Are you here? You, you, you know that you can do it. When, when you start eating well and you're focusing on that, do you know after a while your taste buds changed? Yeah. Stuff that used to feel good and taste good, it doesn't taste good. It's full of salt. <laughs> like, how could I ever have eaten that? You know, I grew up in college. I loved ramen noodles. You know, those little noodles that I love were the best thing. I put eggs in them and chicken. I got every, ama- you know, because it was cheap. Now I can't even eat it. It's full of salt. How did I ever eat this stuff? Why? Because your taste buds change. When you start focusing, your feelings come align. And there's stuff that you eat and you used to love it. I eat it, I get sick. Why? Because my body's clean now. 
I've done this stuff that has organic and it doesn't have preservatives. Now you put preservatives in, it affects the way that you feel. You got to get the goop out and, and you crave the, the junk. But once what happens, your body goes through detox. And then what? Your body's clean. It's healthy. You feel light. You have energy. And when you put the wrong thing in, your body reacts to it. But you got to focus on the right thing first. Amen? Amen? Do the right thing even when you don't feel like doing it. And your feelings will come. You don't feel like loving your wife? Well, walk in love. Do something that's expressing love. And your feelings will come in. And the response will come. You don't feel like working hard? Come on, get into work. Have some successes. And what you, when you get a win, something happens. I can do this. Hey, hey, you know? And, and confidence comes in your life. Don't, don't live by your feelings. Focus on doing good, not on feeling good. It feels awkward at times when you have the proper behavior because you've been living so much in the comfort zone of what's not healthy. It doesn't feel like it fits. But as you continue, it becomes a part of your life. Amen? So when you do the right thing, whether you like it or not, feelings will catch up. Don't live by your feelings. Live by faith. Live by God's word. Come on. When you don't feel like giving, come on. God loves a cheerful giver. And sometimes I had a problem with that because I don't feel cheerful when I give. Come on. Why? Because I feel I'm losing out. I think of what I could have done with that $500. What I could have done with that $1,000. Oh, come on. Can we be real? That's why the Bible says you sow in tears. <laughs> I've been there before. Well, I say it, I love God, but God, it's painful. But the Bible says what? You sow in tears, you'll reap in joy. And what happened? That's how you become a cheerful giver because I've done it when it was hard. I did it when I was in Bible school. And my, this pastor told me, don't eat your seed, sow your seed. If you eat your seed, it's gone. You get nothing. God, take my seat. Yeah, I don't want it gone, like, you know. And I was planning to eat my seat after church. I knew exactly where I was going to eat, too. Been waiting for it all week. But you know what I realized? It comes. And I, will, I was on the mission field. The first time I came back for the mission field, I needed $1,200 for a plane ticket. And I had $150. Some of the missionaries can identify with me. Lord called me home. I said, Lord, you called me home with only $150? What am I going to do? That lasts me a while in a third world country. But, you know, that's, that's nothing here. What am I going to do? And I got in the meeting, and the Lord said, sow your seed. And I said, I only have $150. I'm here for a week. What am I going to do? Didn't hear anything. God never answers stupid questions. <laughs> but it kept burning in my heart. So I gave that $150 and I cried, man. I was like, oh, I surrender all. It was all. Come on. I wasn't just singing. It was all. But you know, after on the way out, someone saw me, hey, it's so good to see you. Where have you been? Did you backslide? I said, no, I'm in the mission field. What do you mean? You know, so that's, that's terrible when you're in a church and people think you backslid because you've been, haven't been around. You've been, I was sent out on a missionary. Oh, I missed that Sunday. You know, where you been? I said, no. He said, oh, I'm oh, sorry, I'm sorry. Let me take you for dinner. I said, I feel ready to receive. Amen. <laughs> Took me for a nice dinner. Met someone at that dinner. Started telling them the story. Telling them I'm going back. And the person looked at me and said, you know, I want to sow into your ministry. How much is your plane ticket? And I said, $1,149. <laughs> I got the exact number. 
And they said, I'm going to bless you with the plane ticket. And they gave me $1,200. That was a faith booster. Come on, I, was, I sowed in tears, but I was reaping in joy. Come on, that became a part of my sermon. I preached that all over the world. It was a win. And I've seen God do that. So now when God says, move, go, I've sold my house. I've sold everything. Because the Bible says, if you've given up lands and family and things around name, say, will you not reap in this lifetime and the life to come? I can trust God. But it was a process coming from a place where I've worked since I was 14 to provide for myself. And now I got to trust God. I know God's good, but, you know, I haven't seen that blessing. Are you here? I grew up in the realm of writing faith checks and hyper faith and nobody works and just sits home and fast and pray and think God's going to do it. I had to renew my theology. I had to renew my thinking because that's not how it works. The problem's not with God. The problem's with people sometimes. And they put word in, words in God's mouth. That's a whole other service. Are you here? But, but we've got to apply it because when we focus on it, what, we'll start seeing it happen. We start changing. We start pro- so now when God says do something, I get excited. I get excited. When I go and I travel and God's telling us to give and I'm giving and sometimes I clear out my savings, I'm, woohoo! what's God going to do this year? Because I know if there's no sacrifice, there's no fire. If you don't sow, you don't reap. And I've come to a place in my life where now, you know, the, the sowing and the reaping's caught up with it. I'm sowing and reaping at the same time. But it took a while to get there. I'd have these long periods and like, it's not working. And it's like you plant the seed and you go out in your backyard and look and say, it didn't grow up today. It didn't grow up tomorrow. And after a week, you quit looking because you get discouraged. It's not happening. And then all of a sudden, your kid comes, Daddy, there's an apple tree out there. Because whatever you sow, you will reap. God's not mocked. It will work. His word doesn't return void. It will accomplish whatever he said it will accomplish in our life. Come on, you believe that? Give the Lord a big hand. Are you learning something? Amen. So reprogram, focusing on the good. Don't focus on your feeling. Do you know some of the most anointed services I've had was when I felt sick and didn't feel like preaching. I've been on the mission field and it's like God healed me just to preach. And then I got sick again afterwards. I don't know why that happens. Susan, a few weeks ago, been coughing, hacking. I'm like, do you need me to preach? She got up and preached. It was great. Didn't cough one time. And then went home that night. I'm like, what's, you were coughing, didn't cough in the service. Why are you coughing and keeping me awake tonight? You know, but, but, but the grace of God is there. The anointing is God there. Why? Because in our weakness, he is made strong. Come on, the times we're more dependent upon him, the times that he shows up. The times when we're ready in season, out of season. I had time people say, get, you're preaching tonight. And I'm like, what am I going to preach? But I got a well of the word that's in there. And God begins to move. And God begins to, you know, we had a freedom conference. And, you know, we get the call at 2 o'clock on Friday afternoon. Pastor Mike Connell's flight was canceled. What are we going to do? You know, should we cancel the meeting? Should we do this? You know, he said, are you going to add another session? I said, well, add another session. You're gonna get, they're going to get bonus. And, you know, I, I called up Shirley Bridwell, Pastor Choice around. I said, hey, we're going to do a tag team tonight, and we're just going to have a Holy Ghost night and see what God wants to do. And some people commented the Friday night was the best night to them. They enjoyed it because God just sort of moved. And we didn't plan that, but God takes over. But what was I feeling? I'm going to get up there, and everybody's going to go, you don't look like Pastor Mike. And we paid money. We registered for the conference, you know. And, you know, we get you every week, and you're free. Come on, that's my thought. But what? We have to go with what God. Don't go with a feeling. Don't go with what the devil tries to put on you. Come on. 
The Holy Spirit is here all the time. We make room for God. God will always move. Come on, no matter if he's riding on a donkey or, or what he's riding on. He's going to get the job done. Amen? Number six, focus on people who help me, not hinder me. Big one. The Bible tells us 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Don't get around people who poison you. Don't get around gossipers. Don't get around slanderers. Don't get around the haters. Don't get around the doubters. Don't know or get around, be just hanging out with people who knew you BC before Christ. Why? Because a prophet is not without honor except in his own city. They know you. You are the, I know you. We used to run around in high school, girl. I know the kind of person you are. They can't see that you changed. They're, they're negative. They're, they're victims. They have a wrong mentality. They have a wrong mindset. They're critical. They got a critical spirit. They can't see the good in anything. Don't, don't let people like that. I'm not saying, well, I love them. I'm called to win them. Don't be foolish. Wrong companions, bad company corrupts. It gets in you. Seeds are planted. If you don't guard your heart, it's going to start springing up. And I've seen it happen. Well-meaning good people, what happened? They get around the wrong people, the wrong spirit, and what happened? Good people get shipwrecked in their faith. They start having a wrong mentality. They start thinking conspiracy. Well, I heard this about that restaurant that the kitchen's not clean and, you know, oh, the food must not be good. And what happened? They stopped going, even though it wasn't true. It was another restaurant in another city. Come on. Why? People like bad news. Have you realized that? When you have a bad restaurant experience, they go all over Yelp and tell everybody. But you have a good experience, people move on. So don't be one person who, who's doing that. Correct people. Guard your heart. Guard your mind. If people around you and they don't believe in you, don't hang around people who don't believe in you. Don't, don't run around people th- that think you're going to fail. When we first started this church, you know, some pastors, they're, oh, well, you know, we're in Orange County. If you want to build a church, you can't build a spirit-filled church. You can't pray in tongues. You can't. You pray for the sick. You can't, oh, you can't do that in this city. It will never work. I'm like, get behind me. What am I here for? Come on. You know? And, 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 but guess what? I don't hang out with those people a lot. Why? They have a different mindset. They have a different concept. They're, they're, they're not building what I'm called to build. And they're great people. I love them. They're maybe doing what God's calling them to do. And it's different. But like, we are of a different spirit. We're of a different DNA. We're of a different mindset. And so I can learn from everybody, but I don't want to learn the wrong thing. I don't want people telling me when you're struggling and you're living by faith and, you know, and, and they're blowing up. Now, one pastor and like, oh, we just hit 500 people. But, you know, we started praise and worship and we only had two people. It was me and the worship leader. Ha, ha, ha. I'm like, that's sad. Come on. That's sad. We prepare, we worship, and people don't even have a heart for worship, and your service is only one hour, and they show up 35 minutes late and are there for 20 minutes and call that church? Now, that's me. I'm not here. But, like, you know, to me, all the effort we put in in preparing and people, and, like, we want to touch God, and then we're just, you know, putting that kind of mindset. Something's wrong. doesn't sit well with me. So I can't have that kind of mindset. But look, you got 500 people. What, what is our success? What is our goal? You're hanging out with people on their third marriage. Telling them about your problems. Like, well, you should just leave him. Girl, you deserve better. Girl, you... 
I had a relative like that, talking to all, all our girlfriends are looking over the fence. Six, I said, stop talking to those people. Six months later, they left their husbands. They're out with some guy 20 years younger than them, doing all this crazy stuff. And I told my sister, don't stay away from those people if you want to stay married. Why? The grass isn't greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. And sometimes in California, when you look at the grass, it's green. It's fake grass. Come on. Don't, don't be around people that are plant, and putting those seeds and ideas in your mind. It will hurt you. It'll hurt your husband. Come on. Don't be looking, oh, you know, in California, everybody has somebody on the side. Come on, that woman's give you three kids. And, you know, we, come on, let's get real. We live in the top divorce county in America. Don't get around people that are talking to you like that. Come on. Planting seeds and you start entertaining those thoughts. That's how the devil gets around you. Focus on people that, that are pulling you up. And I'm not saying cut out every unchurched person that doesn't know God. How are we going to win the world if we don't get around them? Are you here? But don't embrace their belief system. Don't open your heart. Don't seek advice from people who aren't godly. Are you here? Now, they can mentor you in business. They can mentor you in other areas. I'm not saying that. But not in your value system, not in your vision casting, not in your purpose, because it'll be contrary to God. No wonder we struggle. Oh, you, you, you want to be successful? You're spending too much time in church. Why do you go? You shouldn't go to Connect Group. You shouldn't go. What about Chick-fil-A? Who's closed every Sunday, but still prospering and still successful. Look at the, let's, let's get around people like that. Are you here? They asked him, why don't you close? Why don't you open on, on Sunday? Even for me sometimes, I think, did you ever get hungry for Chick-fil-A on Sunday? I'm just like, you know, the rest of the time, but Sunday it's not when they're closed, you know. It's like you, you want what you can't have, you know, it's just part of it. But, but they said, no, we can't do it. We're, God, we're built on godly values. We want to give our people a rest. We want to, we you know, honor God with that, and we believe God's going to provide for us. Come on, that's amazing. Give the Lord a big hand, amen. If you know there are people that are tempting you, Stay away. If you know there are people that bring confusion in your life, stay away. You know people that are, that, are, that are not pushing you forward, stay away. Don't open your heart to them. Now, I'm not saying you can't play basketball. I'm not saying, again, don't swing to the other extreme. Sometimes as Christians, we go to the other extreme. Come on, Jesus was a friend of tax collectors. He was a friend of sinners, but he didn't get counsel from them. Are you here? He didn't get advice on how to run his ministry and how to do God. Are you here? So we, we need to be able to do that so that we can protect our heart and move on. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 says, two people are better than one if they can help each other succeed. Get around the right people that are going to help you succeed. Get around people that believe in you. Get around people that are positive. Get around people that, yeah, they don't just tell you what you want to hear. They're going to correct you and say, look, you need to adjust some things if you want that result. And be willing to take that. Come on, don't just get around people who tell you what you want to hear. That's not what it's saying. But people that agree, they're in unity, building on the word of God, building on focus, having people of faith. They'll encourage you in your faith. And I love that. I have friends all around the world. And it's edifying fellowship. I, some people, I don't see them for a year, but we get together. There's an edification there. It's great. I love going to dinner with these kind of people. I love hanging out with Troy and Anwin and, you know, other people and leaders in the church and, and people that are full of faith and seeing what God's doing. It, it, it stirs me up. Are you here? 
sometimes a pastor, you know, we, we're, we're always helping people. We're helping the, the people that got problems sometimes. But if we're not careful, we get so focused with people that are struggling, we don't celebrate the people that aren't struggling. Are you here? And we need to do both, but we need to have that encouragement. Amen? Don't just spend time around people you're trying to pull up. Get around people who will pull you up. Amen? And encourage you in your faith. All the willpower in the world cannot make you change. You got to get around people. There's many Christians and they're full of information, but they don't have transformation. Why? Transformation happens around people. It happens being around iron. Iron sharpens iron. And I'm all for great. There's great teaching out there. There's great seminars. There's great therapies that are out there. There's all these things that are out there. But if you don't get around a spiritual family, don't get around people, and you're not doing life. I've seen people doing stuff for 20 years, and they're, they're spiritual babies. They've never grown. They never, you know, they're not able to take on the leadership. They're not, they have a wrong mentality. They have no impact. Why? They're just running from place to place begging for bread. Now, I'm not saying don't go to a conference, don't go to a place. We, I travel and get encouraged and get around people, but it's relational. Yeah. I'm not just there to just get a message or there to just get a, a, you know, an impartation. I'm there to build relationship with people that are doing something with God that can encourage me and I can encourage them. And I go to their conference and they invite me and I get, bring a blessing. And then they, we're in a relationship. If it's not relational, what's the whole point? Are you here? We can be running all over, and all we do is get confused because people are contradicting each other. Are you here? The Bible says as you're planted, you grow. What is being planted? Committing to a people. Committing to a perfect, not a perfect people, but committing to a people. Come on, who's got a perfect family here? <laughs> Yours is pretty good. All right, well, I'm coming to your house with Thanksgiving. All right, my, you know, nobody's perfect. What I'm saying, you might have your immediate family's pretty okay. But our extended family, Susan and I, we used to say, we got no problem in our, our family. We got, it's all our extended family we're dealing with. Come on, we get along pretty good. We, we got no energy to quarrel because we're dealing with everything else. Are you here? You know, and I say that jokingly. But, but yeah, it, but, but they're still family. We love them. We help them. When we get the phone call, we're there for them. When we need to fly and encourage, we're there for them. What? That's family. But we're not perfect, but we're committed to helping each other to be great in God and helping each other, loving each other and sticking together. Come on, if you believe that, give the Lord a big hand. Amen? We change by being around people. Only Jesus Christ can make change in our life. But how does he do it? He does it through his body. Amen? We got no problem with just in Jesus. Why? Because sometimes we hear what we want to hear and say it's Jesus. Come on. But when we get around other people and people are speaking to us, sometimes that's the voice of God more than what we're hearing. Because God will bring someone to speak into someone. God will bring someone. You can't see your own issue. Come on, my collar's up in the back of my shirt. I don't know. But thank God Samuel or Ethan or Susan or somebody will come, Marvin will see me and say, Pastor, your collar's up and put it down. I don't see my imperfections. I don't see the stuff that needs to get in line. Come on. My wife doesn't see when she's got a piece of food in her tooth. I'm like, baby, thank God you told me. I didn't go through the whole dinner like that. Come on, when you're alone, you went through the whole dinner and everyone's just kind of looking. You got a big piece of whatever hanging out there. Aren't you glad somebody could tell you? 
Aren't you glad that somebody could, could get things? Aren't somebody, you know, my son, I'm glad. I hope he appreciates when his hair is sticking up. And I say, Ethan, your hair is sticking up. Put some water on that, buddy. Oh, where's that? You can't see it. But what happens after a while, you learn you got this little part of hair you got to focus on a little bit more or it gets out of line. Because somebody was there to help you. Somebody was there to encourage you. Somebody was able to see the good and the not so good. And, and God loves us and we love one another. The good, the bad, the ugly, the perfect, the imperfect. Come on. Amen. Can you take one more? And finally, number seven, focus on progress, not perfection. I like the musicians to come. Focus on progress, not perfection. The kingdom of God is not perfectionistic. You know, someone said this, practice makes perfect. No, it doesn't. Practice makes permanent. Because as you practice something, it becomes a habit. It becomes a lifestyle. It becomes a part of you. The Bible says Jesus went to the temple as was his habit. Have some good. Coming to church is a good habit. Honoring God's a good habit. Hey, you want to go away for your anniversary? Come on, it's not a legalistic thing, but it's a good habit. Are you here? Praying is a good habit. Reading the word is a good habit. You know, connect groups is a good habit. Serving and helping people is a good habit. Being generous is a good habit. All these things are good habit, but we don't do it perfectly. So we've got to understand, you've got to focus on progress, not perfection. Philippians 3 verse 13 says this, I'm not saying that I have it all together. Come on, this is Apostle Paul. We think he had it all together. He said he didn't have it all together. Or that I've made it, he said, but I'm well on my way. Reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Come on, turn your neighbor and say, you're on your way. Come on, tell somebody in front of you, say, you're on your way. Come on, that's progress. It's not perfection. We're on our way. Come on, we're growing. We're moving somewhere. We're, we're making a difference and drawing the line and saying, we're going we're gonna to change our generation. We're going to do things differently. We're going to have a different life. I thank God my kids sometimes, and Susan, I was like, you know, you guys are spoiled. Now, they aren't spoiled. They have a great attitude and they're, they're very sensible kids. But compared to us, come on, I didn't, I didn't get to go on a family vacation. I got to go to Disney one time in elementary school. Come on, they got to go. They get to do stuff all the time. They had passports at six months. I didn't travel until I was 19 and a half, 20 years old. I didn't leave the country. They're six months with a passport. They've had three passports right now and they're only 10, 12. Look at that. I didn't get to go to art class. That's why my art is terrible. You know, I didn't, I didn't get to, to do the activities, and I didn't get, but there's nothing wrong with it. But for us, thank God that we see some blessing in our life, and we can pass it down to the next generation. They don't have to work as hard as we have, but they can have the right values, and they can not struggle the way we struggle, but come on, they can start off on our shoulders and go even better, and then my great-grandchildren get to start out even better. That's the kingdom of God. We keep taking ground. We keep moving forward. And what are we doing? We're bringing about a a progression. We're not perfect. Have we arrived yet? We're not going to arrive. Let me tell you, you will never arrive. So stop trying well, I'm not perfect. I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough. None of us are. 
God loved us before we were good. God loves us when we're not good. He, he sees the good, bad, the ugly. He sees the story of your life before you were even a sparkle in your daddy's eye all the way through your whole life and all the mistakes and everything. We get social. I'm so ashamed. You know, it's like, like God walks into the garden and he's like, Adam, where are you? And Adam's hiding. You think God didn't know where he was at? God already knew Adam was going to do it and already planned to send Jesus and already knew the cross and already knew you'd be sitting here today and he shows up in the garden and Adam's hiding. But what was the problem? Adam's mindset. I'm ashamed. I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified. So what did he do? He tried to hide. He rebelled. Maybe the story would have been a little bit different if he fell down at the feet of the father and said, Father, forgive me. I wasn't the man you called me to be and I didn't protect my wife and I didn't correct her and we disobeyed you. Whatever you want to do, take it from me, but don't kick me out of your presence. Might have been a different story. But what did he do? He tried to hide each other. The woman you gave me, it's your fault, God. Why did you create that? People ask, why did even God even create the apple? It's God's fault. Why did he just not have an apple in the, in the garden? Because he wants free will. He wants to allow us to progress. He wants to allow us to have a relationship of his walking together of ups and downs, of good times, of difficult times. But it's creating something on the inside of us. It's bringing transformation on the inside of us. We're well on our way. You've got to understand change is a process. It's a decision followed by a process. As we allow God to work in our lives, we have some wins, we have some losses. Some seasons we're feeling a bit more higher and more positive than others. Sometimes we go through dark times. Sometimes we have difficult times. David said, even though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I don't fear evil. Come on, I don't want to be in a valley of death. But I can know God and know that I'm not going to fear. God's God's got my back. God's with me. And I've abased. I've abound. I've seen those seasons of my life. There's been times of great abundance and times of difficulties. There's times when I'm celebrated and times that I'm not. But God is there. Amen. He is the rock. He's the God in what help us come from. He's the one there with us, that never leaves us, that never forsakes us. He's the one that's not changed his mind concerning us. And we need to get that, that we're accepted in God. God doesn't look as a father. If I look at my father and look at my 10-year-old, I don't expect him to act like a 21-year-old. I meet them where they're at, and I help them to grow, and I help them to be responsible. I don't give the keys of my car to my daughter who's 13. Say, all right, it's time to drive yourself to school now. Come on, they put me in jail for that. Why? Because they don't have that level of church. God will not allow anything we're not able to handle to come to us. Come on, but we're going through stuff. We're able because he's able on the inside of our lives. Are you hearing, man? God's pleased with our growth. God's pleased with us. We're not trying to earn his acceptance. We're accepted, but we want to grow. We want to become more like him. We want to make changes. How do we make changes? Number one, focus on changing one thing at a time. Don't be overwhelmed. 
Focus on one thing. What's the one thing that God's speaking to you about? Focus on victory one day at a time. Hopefully you've been applying this this week. I had a week of victory. Come on, I'm overcoming. I, you know, I have one week of victory and then I fail. Well, at least you had a week of victory. Let's go for two weeks. Are you here? You know, AA, they have this saying, fake it until it works. I don't believe faking it in the sense of not being real, but what? Have the right posture. Have the right focus. Confess the word. When you fail, get up again. God knew you were going to fail. He's not quit. Get up again and keep doing, keep trying, keep running the race. Keep encouraging yourself. And know he's a loving father that takes you by the hand and pulls you up again. You made a mistake. Say you're sorry. You can't change the past, but move on. Focus on God's power, not my power. Focus on what you want, not what you don't want. Suppose we keep looking at the negative. I don't want that. I don't want that. And we keep having it. You heard me tell me the story about my motorcycle. When I, when I learned motorcycle driving, they tell me if you want to go there and you're going here, you look there and your bike will go there. But if I look here, my, I'm going to go right into the ground. What I focus on is what I get. If I focus on food, I'm going to go there. If I focus on perversion, I'm going to be drawn to it. Focus on what you want, what you don't want. Focus on doing good, not feeling good. Focus on people that help you, not hinder you. Some of us, we need to make some adjustments, maybe. And those that we're, 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 we're confiding in. If you're the smartest person in your group, get another group. Doesn't mean you need to cut out those people, but get around people that are going to pull you up. And focus on progress, not perfection. Come on, let's stop trying to be perfect. We're not trying to be a perfect church. We don't expect you to be perfect. None of us are perfect but God. But what are we doing? We're growing. We're progressing. We're trying. We're showing up. We're doing what we can do. We don't have this cookie cutter mold that works for everybody. But what do we want? Just people that are hungry for progress. Hungry for Jesus. Hungry to allow Him to be transformed in our life. We're all at different levels. But we celebrate each other's wins see someone in a a place of defeat and lift them up and encourage them and be Christ to them and encourage them in the race that they can do it. Come on, let's be the cheerleaders. This is a host of heaven that is cheering us on and we want to be that too. Also create that environment. People come in, they don't feel, I'm not good enough to be in church. I don't know how to prophesy. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to do. It's okay. Just come and look for Jesus and be a work in progress. Can we do that? Amen. Let's create that environment in our lives, in our marriage. I don't expect my wife to be perfect. She knows I'm not perfect. I don't expect my kids to be perfect, but I expect them to grow and to progress. Amen. As we do that, we create an atmosphere that is open for us to grow up and for us to progress. We can move from faith to faith, from glory to glory, and cheer each other along. Come on, if you believe that, give the Lord a big hand. Amen. Come on, let's stand on our feet. This message is not just about us. Come on, individually, but it's about us corporately. Come on, begin to pray right now. Come on, let's begin to pray for our brother, our sister. We might not know where they're at. We might not know what they were struggling with. But Father, we come and we join our faith. God, as this spiritual family, God, to run this race together. God, to join our hearts, God, that God, we're going to progress. We're going to keep moving forward. 
we're going to keep pressing on. That God, no man left behind, no woman left behind, Father. Father, that as long as we're progressing, as long as our hearts are towards you, God, that we'll be there to encourage one another. We'll be there, God, not looking out just for our own interests, but looking out for the interests of others. God, we pray for blessing. We pray for unity. We pray strengthen those. God, even those that are here today, God, strengthen them in their faith. Strengthen them in their walk with you. Strengthen them, God. Encourage them, God. We pray, God, for spiritual strength. God, we pray for mental strength to make the changes, to focus on the right thing. That God will change our thinking that we're not good enough. We'll change our thinking that it's too difficult. We'll change our thinking that the standard is too high, Lord. And God will just set our heart day by day on progressing. Day by day on doing what you desire us to do. Day by day, God, on on doing the best that we can. And even though we fail, God, tomorrow is a new day. We can get up again. We can try again. And your grace is sufficient for us, Father. Father, we pray, God. We pray for strength. God, we break every condemnation that's over people. We break, God, every insecurity, inadequacy. God, that we are accepted in the beloved. That we are accepted in this fellowship. That we are accepted in you, God. We thank you, God, for your love, for your acceptance upon every single person. Come on, just begin to pray. Come on, for the next 30 seconds. Come on, pray for the person on your left. Pray for the person on your right. Oh, the blessing of God. Spirit of faith. God, prosperity coming. God, upon every single person. Oh, Oh, God, help us to be an encourager. Help us to encourage ourselves, but God, to encourage others, God, to move forward, to press on towards the high call that greater things have yet to come in our lives, greater things have yet to come in our church, greater things have yet to be done, God, and that will not make us weary, but God, that will bring forth us spirit of faith bring forth expectancy bring forth excitement in our lives god we speak blessing we speak increase god we break every assignment of the enemy god we break every demonic oppression that would come against your people god we stand together as a church god in the name of jesus we release the spirit of faith god spirit of mind power upon your people we declare no weapon formed against them will prosper that god they're blessed in their coming they're blessed and they're going forth that they're moving forward god god even some that have been stuck for years they've been stuck in a season god in their lives god they're getting unstuck today and they're moving forward god they're progressing in you in the name of jesus come on lift your hands as we begin to thank the lord we thank you jesus hallelujah 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 we thank you lord we thank you lord Hallelujah.